Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. A little later in the show, we're going to welcome John Selleck, who has done public relations for attorneys general's Attorneys General uh, Mike Cox and Bill Schutte for Governor Angler and for the Michigan Legislature into the studio for Opposite Monday when we try to invite somebody here who sees things a little differently than I do and maybe sits across the political spectrum. This will be the first time that John has joined us, so I'm pretty excited about that. He and I have talked for years about Michigan politics uh, between ourselves, and now we'll get to do it with you, the listeners. Uh, So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. That'll get started at about 40 minutes past the hour. But first, the first week of the legislature's 2018 lame duck session has been about as busy as anyone might have expected, with more than 100 bills being sent through the committee process. They include controversial moves to gut the state's new minimum wage and paid sick leave laws, and there are efforts underway by the GOP to limit the powers of the incoming governor, attorney general, and secretary of state, all of whom are Democrats. There are also plays to change the brand new law legalizing recreational marijuana. Now, some people say the legislature ought to try to represent the will of the people who spoke pretty loudly about what they wanted back on November 6th. But increasingly, and especially in this stretch between elections and the first of the year, legislators seem much more committed to doing whatever they can get away with, knowing that they will never have to face the people. That's where we want to start the conversation today about uh, the 2018 lame duck session and all of the things that we see unfolding in Lansing. And joining us to help talk about what's going on, what effect it might have, is Emily Lawler. She is a state capital reporter for M Live. Emily, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks for having me. Also with us is Jake Neer. He's a producer here on Detroit Today. He covered the Capitol for the Michigan Public Radio Network from 2012 to 2016, and he is the co-host of Mishmash right here on WDET. Jake, welcome to the studio. How you doing, Stephen? Yes. All right, so Emily, let's just get a great recap uh, quickly going on what legislators are doing and just how fast they seem to be moving on all of these issues in Lansing. Yeah. Well, the mantra of lame duck is kind of to expect the unexpected. Um, But I think one thing that has happened that a lot of people anticipated is a lot of legislation moving very quickly. A lot of it's starting in the Senate right now. So that's where I've been concentrating most of my energy. Um, uh, So let's talk about some of the issues that they are really focused on here. Minimum wage and earned paid sick time have gotten a lot of attention so far. Yeah, and those actually went through a chamber, so the Senate has um, passed changes to those two things. Um, We kind of knew that this was the plan. Um, They were calling it an adopt and amend um, strategy. So, uh, you know, I think Republicans were pretty open about the fact that they had some problems with uh, these proposals and uh, you know, this this last week was the first time we really got to see what fixes they were proposing. I guess fixes is their words. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, you know, it really, uh, on the minimum wage, they really extended the time horizon. Instead of uh, reaching $12 minimum wage by 2022, it would be by 2030. Um, and then they also uh, took away the... Um, they were, the original proposal would have put tipped workers at the same wage level, same minimum wage, 
Um, they took that away, kept the tipped wage. Um, and then the paid sick time, they exempted employees of certain businesses, small businesses, um, basically just kind of narrowed the scope of who it applied to, narrowed the uh, number of paid sick hours that employers were required to give. Uh, Jake, uh, this is this is not anything new. The idea of legislators hurrying in this sort of interim period between the election and the first of the year, when the new legislature and new uh, constitutional statewide offices take place, uh, they they always try to try to get some things done that they might not have been able to do before. There's something about this session, though, that strikes me as extraordinary in terms of the scope of what they're doing and the extreme measures that they are trying to undertake. Yeah, Stephen, I came on the program this time last week and said I was a little skeptical that it would be as crazy as something like uh, Lame Duck 2012, where we saw, uh, you know, the emergency manager law pass and uh, right to work and and all these, you know, really, really major controversial bills pass in sort of the dead of night. Uh, And now one week later, I want to come back and apologize because (laughs) I think uh, we are certainly, you know, I'm definitely, although I'm not in Lansing yet, I'll, I'll be going up this week a little bit, but um, I'm, I'm already getting sort of flashbacks to 2012 as of uh, as of this week. Uh, when it comes to the minimum wage bill, I wanted to say that it, it is not a surprise that they went back and they they changed these bills and and the and the um, paid sick time bill as well uh, law, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, th- we were not sure how far they would go with this. I mean, they they are going much farther than they originally were hinting at, which was essentially taking the tipped wage back. Uh, you know, to where you know to, to less than you know the the overall minimum wage. Um, you spoke with Wendy Block from the Michigan Chamber of Commerce last week on the show, who described these changes as keeping the spirit of the law intact. And I, I you did a good job on challenging her a little bit on that. But I think this bears repeating: that is a dishonest characterization of that legislation. I mean, when what the Senate approved last week completely guts the minimum wage increase. And it actually is worse for wages in the long run than the law that was passed in 2014, because it would not be indexed to inflation afterwards. The law that was passed in 2014, again, if if the inflation rate was about 2%, it would have gotten there anyway. So it's, uh, you know, this, this, is a, this is a really, really major gutting of that law. Mm-hmm. And they're also now thinking about ways to change the way in which some of the people who will take office in January will be able to govern. I can't think of another instance of this kind of legislation coming out in lame duck or anywhere else. Emily Lollard, uh, tell us tell us what they're up to here. Yeah, you know, and this was one thing that I wasn't expecting either. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, have some bills in. One of them is to let the legislature intervene in lawsuits as a a party, um, which I think a lot of people are thinking might undermine the attorney general's role. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another one uh, is to strip the secretary of state of her campaign finance power, um, put that in the hands of a a newly formed commission that's supposed to be bipartisan. So I think both of those things taken together kind of paint a picture of trying to take power away from people who were elected in November and who are going to take office in January. Yeah. Uh, and is it is it possible for them to do this now and for those executives in, in January to, to somehow reverse that kind of behavior? You know, I always wonder 
whether this is just uh, an ongoing game of tug of war, right? And and you know you sort of go back and forth. Is there anything that the new governor, attorney general, and secretary of state will be able to do to get around this uh, if they do it? Um, I think that's a little bit of a to be uh, seen question, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm thinking. You know, for instance, the intervening in lawsuits, you know, maybe that doesn't come up until it actually happens. Um, The Secretary of State changes uh, seem like they would um, be pretty permanent. I don't know that the Secretary of State could, you know, wrest control of something that they've typically had control over from a newly appointed commission. I'm not sure how that would work. Mm So I I think that, um, you know, if these do go through, they, they have a good chance of sticking, although I wouldn't be surprised either to see either of them end up in court. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what what is the the fear, I guess, that GOP legislators have about Gretchen Whitmer or Dana Nessel or Jocelyn Benson, uh, the three Democratic women who will take over? the state's top constitutional offices in January? Well, you know, I I can't get into their brains specifically and say what their actual fears are. I I would say that the most generous thing that you could possibly say about these bills and other ones sort of taken as as a whole uh, is that I think legislative Republicans are showing that they obviously care very little about appearances in this case when it comes to undercutting the results of an election. I mean, we're, we're talking about several bills that take direct aim at the results of the election, uh, you know, whether it's limiting the power of the people of Michigan, that, that Michigan voters chose to represent them in the highest office in, in Michigan, whether, you know, the governor, the attorney general, the secretary of state, uh, whether it's limiting the power of the people that, Michi- uh, you know, that, that are significantly altering, I should say, the new marijuana law. That's something that we could talk about in a little bit. But, uh, you know, there's also bills that aren't the direct result of the election when it comes to the minimum wage law and paid sick leave. Uh, those certainly have have the same veneer, though, of, of sort of shirking voters say in these matters. There's just this pattern emerging emerging right now that, uh, you know, uh, at the very least, um, you know, Republicans are taking up a lot of bills that certainly um, are, can get those conversations and stoke those fires. And it doesn't seem like they really care that much about what the appearances <laughs> are here. Um, so, you know, I, I again, I'm not sure exactly what their fears are uh, per se. There might be very specific things. Maybe they don't have any fears at all, but they certainly look afraid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Emily Lawler. She's a state capital reporter with M Live. Also with us is Jake Neer, a producer here on Detroit Today. We're talking about... The frenetic pace and the broad scope of lame duck activity in Lansing uh, this year in 2018. Uh, GOP legislators on the heels of an election in which Democrats won all three statewide constitutional offices for the first time in many years are busy trying to make it more difficult for those folks to govern. They're also busy going back over issues uh, that they would not face before the election, trying to fashion them in the way that they would like to see them now before they leave office. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What do you think of this kind of activity? What do you think of this year in particular and this kind of activity? This is a little more than we have seen, at least in recent years. And it's more extreme, I think, is fair to say, than what we have seen in, in other years in terms of the kinds of things 
that state legislators are trying to do. Um, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Nancy on Facebook says, I think it's time to call the lame duck session something else. It's hardly lame when they're doing their best to hammer legislation through. Uh, yeah, I, that's an interesting point. <laughs> I guess it depends uh, on your, your definition of lame, right? <laughs> of lame, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we would call it if it weren't lame duck. Uh, Steven on Facebook says, isn't this a partial indictment of term limits? It seems a lot of these lawmakers don't really care since their careers in the state legislature are over now, which seems to make these bills even more egregious than they might otherwise be. That is a really, really great point, Stephen. Uh, Michael on Facebook says, bunch of sore losers. Uh, so a pretty strong indictment of what's going on in Lansing. Before we get to the phones, Jake, go yeah, ahead. I want to I want to comment on what Stephen said about term limits. Uh, Zach the Gord- other Stephen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Not you. Sorry. Uh, the the uh, the the commenter Stephen. Um, Zach Orchow of the Gongwer News Service made a really great point on the show last week, which was of the 38 members of the state Senate that are currently passing that are currently voting on this legislation right now. Only one is eligible to run for re-election in four years, and you know that's only because there was a uh, an election to fill a partial term. So uh, usually there would be zero. So I mean, think about what what term limits means uh, in terms of the number, the amount of accountability for lawmakers in this lame duck period. Yeah, yeah. Again, three one three five seven seven. 1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with James in Clinton Township. James, welcome to Detroit. Today. Yes. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good. How are you? You know, I'm sitting up here listening to you guys there, and it's like, this is so bad, man. These people go to work every day. We promise these people something, and we cannot even produce and give it to them. And we forget that these people work for us. We don't work for them. They work for <laughs> us. So whatever we put on the board, they should take it. That's just like a mother and a child. When she get ready to cook and you don't want to eat them green beans, then you don't eat. <laughs> because that's the mama. Okay? I mean, it's really sad, man. These people working every day trying to get a raise. A lot of these people, I know people, can't even get a car. They've been catching the bus for years because they don't make enough money. Yeah. And then you go talk about in uh, 2030. What? We may not even be here in 2030. We voted this in. Do it now. Uh, James, you have I, a great day. Yeah, you too. I appreciate the call and and the comments there, uh, Jake. This this debate over minimum wage, I think, is is especially frustrating to people because we were so close in this state to deciding for ourselves what that should look like. I mean, there were there were a lot of signatures on that petition to have Michigan voters uh, face that question on November sixth, and legislators intervened. To take that away, now they're going back and doing something that I think it's fair to say uh, the voters were unlikely to do. Well, and and you know what's interesting about that? There were a lot of concerns about what the the petition that was approved and got enough signatures to go to the legislature in the ballot in the first place, what it would do, especially when it comes to the tipped wage. Uh, and, you know, Democrats, it's easy for them to say this in the position they're in now, but have said that they would have been open to negotiating some of those things had, you know, they made these changes not in, during the lame duck session without really their 
um, you know, input at all. Uh, and so it's it, the, the entire process taken as a whole. Um, certainly, I think you can argue you, you could say for sure that's made a lot of people very frustrated about the way that this works. Um, I will say, you know, there there is likely to be a court battle over whether or not this is in a, a time that uh, is is allowed under the Constitution for them to change uh, this petition initiative. Uh, other than that question, though, as to whether or not they can change it this term, which would make a big difference when you have a, a Democrat in the governor's office, uh, you know, in January, um, you know, this is how the Constitution works. I mean, they did have the authority to adopt this themselves, and they, they did have the authority, at least at some point, to change these laws. So um, I, I think no matter what, there there probably would be some frustration. But uh, again, other than this question as to whether or not they can do it this year, it is allowed under the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Emily. Oh, yeah, I would add to that that I think uh, some of what's feeding the frustration of uh, people like uh, James Eckhaler was that, uh, you know, people have really thought that they might get the chance to vote on minimum wage increases twice now, Mm -hmm. um, first in 2016 and then this year. And the legislature has kind of firmly moved to keep that ball in their court. Um, And I think that a lot of people uh, would like to weigh in on that on the ballot. So I think that's been a kind of running theme here as well. And it's going to be interesting to see if Democrats now go back or or people who are just I shouldn't just say Democrats, people who are proponents of raising the minimum wage go back and look at even possibly a constitutional amendment in 2020 in the presidential election uh, as a possible response to what Republicans are doing here. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the lame duck session and all the mischief it has unleashed in Lansing. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. David in Gross Point, Adrena on the road, Brett in Ypsilanti, Keith in Harper Woods. We will get to you next. We're also going to talk about the moves to try to change the way marijuana will be legal and available in Michigan starting in January. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Emily Lawler, a state capital reporter with MLive, and Jake Neer, who's a producer here on Detroit Today. We're talking about the lame duck session well underway now in Lansing. More than 100 bills have moved through the committee process in Lansing, and they are pretty radical, some of them, in what they seek to do, what they seek to limit that other people in the future will do in Lansing. Uh, They are dealing with some very controversial issues like the minimum wage law, paid sick time leave, uh, marijuana, the marijuana uh, referendum that we just had here in November is also the subject of some desired changes by the legislature. If you want to join the conversation, call and tell us what you think about what's going on in Lansing, what the legislators are trying to do, and whether you think it makes any sense to be doing things like this in that period between the election and January 1st when the new legislature and new uh, executive officers take office. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there 
or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, before we get back to the phones, Emily, I want to ask you about <coughs> this legislation that Arlen Meekoff, who is the Senate Majority Leader, wants to to pass to to regulate marijuana differently than voters just decided they wanted to do a few weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of my colleagues has been really on top of this, and it looks like it makes a couple of major changes. Um, one is some changes around home grows. Um, the second is putting it before a board kind of in line with um, the medical marijuana system in terms of licensing. Um, and then also it decreases the amount of tax revenue we would get from um, marijuana. And I'm not sure what the motivation is behind that. It would make us undoubtedly the lowest tax marijuana state in the nation. Yeah, which is already, I think, uh, at least close to the case, if not the case, under the existing law that the 10% excise tax is uh, one of, one of, if not the lowest tax rate for marijuana in the entire country. The whole idea behind that was to reduce the existence of a black market that would still exist here in Michigan, which is what we've seen in, in states with really high taxes like Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this idea of limiting the number of plants that people can have personally uh, under, under the law. Some people have said that this is his way, Arlen Mikoff's way of protecting the businesses who will benefit from this. And that's a narrative that we've heard quite a bit in the run-up to the vote on marijuana is that uh, this legislation or this this referendum was designed to keep money in the pockets of big growers uh, who will who will benefit from this and and not for other folks um, you know it's 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 uh, sort of a theme that has emerged over many years mm-hmm. with marijuana legislation not just with legalization but with the rewrite of the medical marijuana law not rewrite really but the major changes that were recently made just a few years ago to the medical marijuana law that um, you know I hate to use the pun but grassroots folks who are sort of you know in that community um, you know have felt for a long time that their um, interests have sort of been overlooked in in favor of other uh, business interests who are sort of on this you know Republicans who uh, have sort of failed at um, you know keeping the the liberals liberalization of marijuana from happening it's like well if we can't beat it let's join it and let's you know get make sure that businesses are making money off of this and you know which is not the worst sentiment uh, necessarily but uh, yeah this the, the, it would be uh, you know sort of consistent with that uh, to 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 say that this might be um, one of those situations where again uh, you look you know if we're gonna have legal marijuana Marijuana. Let's uh, you know make sure that there's uh, you know money to be made here, and uh, it's also uh, it's interesting. I think that the 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 way that these the revenue uh, would be distributed would also change under these bills. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of you know one of the things that I think people liked about the uh, the the proposal to legalize recreational marijuana is that the revenue, uh, which could be in the hundreds of millions of dollars a year, would go to roads and schools. I believe this bill changes that so that it would go instead to local governments and law enforcement. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, change, especially because I think that was one of the them. They may have been a big reason that some people signed the petition in the first place and voted for it. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to uh, David in Gross Point. David, welcome to Detroit today. Stephen, good morning. Thank hey. you. Uh-huh. To uh, good morning to you and your guests. 
Um, I have to admit that I'm disgusted but not surprised with what the Republican legislature is attempting to do during the lame deck. I think that it's time for a ballot measure at large to fix this lame duck matter. Hmm. I'm not sure what the language would be like for such a ballot measure. Maybe it would be something where we just lock out the legislature altogether, or maybe it requires two-thirds of a majority in both houses in order to pass any lame duck legislation. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a great question, David. I've, I've That's something I've thought of quite a bit is this is a problem we see crop up over and over again. So the, the, the natural question is, what's the solution? And I, I don't know that I have one uh, in my mind. Uh, Jake and Emily, is this something that people have talked about in terms of maybe a referendum or some other way to try to limit the the ability of legislators to do this? Um, I've heard, I think that at one point there was a bill floating around in the House that would have just gotten rid of lame duck and said that the legislature... Just send them home, right? Return. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and, you know, I guess uh, historically it may not have been this active. But, you know, there is some value to lame duck, I do want to say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the legislature is usually gone pretty much all summer, and granted maybe they could change that pattern um, <laughs> if the, the lame duck session weren't an option. But... Uh, you know, the lawmakers really do. There's a lot of kind of parting shots or things that they've been working on for a long time that they think they might be able to get over the hump just because everyone's energy is so focused and concentrated. Um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if we did see um, some kind of meaningful changes. I know Arlen Mikoff has also said he wants to work on um, auto insurance changes. Those have been a perennial issue in the legislature. I don't know if Lame Duck would be when we <laughs> do it or not, but some big big things in the past have moved during this period. Hmm. Um, the legislation that Jake mentioned to regulate uh, medical marijuana dispensaries um, and kind of codify, <laughs> codify those um, passed in the 2016 Lame Duck. Um, there's the big energy package. I think that passed at the very end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think that um, in some ways it, it's kind of the culmination of a lot of things that they've been working on. Yeah. And, and you know, this was this I was remarking the other day with someone about how, you know, I used to cover a state in Alaska that had a part time legislature. And this feels like that. Uh, a 90-day window that happens in a part-time legislature or, you know, whatever the window happens to be, that Mm -hmm. there's just so much happening so quickly that, uh, you know, this is starting to feel like that, that they have waited. It's sort of a remarkable session in my mind because it seems like compared to some of the years past, it's been relatively slow up to this point. And then now all the controversial bills are coming through in this very, very narrow window of time and they're flying so fast, you know, over 100 bills coming through committee onto the floor. Um, and, you know, the idea of getting rid of lame duck, I mean, and, and I wouldn't, I don't want it to come across like I'm advocating for this, but, uh, you know, a part-time legislature is in session for a set amount of time. They have, uh, you know, they're, they're open to pass bills during that time. And then they can't come back unless there's an emergency, basically, or else there's yeah. a very specific issue uh, one issue that they're coming back to handle, mm-hmm. um, and so that's how a lot of other states work. Uh, here how in Mich- most other states work. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the best option here in Michigan necessarily, but uh, because we are a unique state in a lot of ways. But um, you know, they are acting in some ways like that during the the period of time that they're least accountable to voters. Right. Right. I mean, I, I guess the difference, and I, I 
uh, worked in both Kentucky and Maryland, uh, two states that do have part-time legislatures. When I was in Kentucky, in fact, the legislature was not just part-time. It was every other year right. that they came. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure if that's still the case there. They may be in every, in session every year now. But the, the difference was that these these shortened windows of time that you had to, to pass bills were always before an election, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yes. they did not come back after an election and have the opportunity to to muck around in the election results. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, I think it was in Kentucky, the only way they could come back was if the governor called them back. Right. And that was for some sort of fiscal emergency or, or something that was unanticipated. So uh, it, it does it does eliminate, as a practical matter, this, this window of time. I mean, you, you have all kinds of other things, though, that crop up with part-time legislatures that are other issues, right? It gives There's a lot no of perfect system. It gives a lot of people heartburn in Lansing thinking of what a part-time legislature plus the term limits that we have That's would right. mean for institutional knowledge in, in Lansing. Not, not uh, combine those two things. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call, David. Uh, let's go to Adrena on the road. Adrena, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I think that. Um, what concerns me most is the um, the arrogance of uh, this le- legislature. They are totally ignoring the will of the people. Um, in terms of the um, minimum wage, I think that perhaps they could have just um, worked on around the edges and kind of cleaned it up if they thought that maybe there were some issues with mm-hmm. the um, the bill that voters uh, not bill but the law that voters voted on. Or they or they should have just cleaned it up instead of trying to completely redo it. I think that's unfair, and I think it's devious, and I think that um, a lot of these issues go back to um, the term limits. They don't have to stay around to, you know, respond to people who sure. um, are upset. Sure, sure. Uh, Adrena, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Before we uh, before we have to end the segment, I want to ask about the wetlands bills that are also part of, of lame duck and what what they are about. Emily, can you catch us up on that? You know, one of my colleagues has been covering that more intently than I have. Um, but I think they're one of kind of a series of bills that uh, Senator Casperson has proposed um, uh, that are going through in this lame duck session. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it, if, if my understanding is correct, it would it would allow for uh, the filling in of, of a significant amount of uh, wetlands in Michigan. And that's, uh, you know, there are a lot of sort of environmental bills going through the legislature right now, including one about, uh, you know, whether or not you can clear cut your trees and your lawn of your business and things like that. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of those things going through right now. I think that environmental groups are one of the most sort of, uh, you know, concerned, uh, you know, groups that I've seen in terms of uh, all the press releases I've seen coming out, because I think those those bills are are in, in many ways flying under the radar uh, compared to some of these other ones. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're paying attention to environmental issues, it would be smart to, to, mm-hmm. to look those up uh, on environmental issues and these others. I wonder about the possibility of the governor stepping in and saying, all right, this is a little silly. We're not going to do this. Uh, is that something that people are holding out hope for? So there's one big environmental issue that we know the governor is engaged on. Um, you know, he visited Line the, five, right? 
the Senate, um, and it's it's the tipping fees issue that he's proposed oh. to increase those tipping fees um, and use that money for um, some cleanup, uh, remediation, et cetera. Um, so we know he's plugged in on that. Um, I'm not sure where he stands on these other issues, and I think a lot of it um, could depend on, uh, you know, where he's at politically in the very moment it hits his desk uh, in conjunction with uh, everything else that's swirling in lame duck this year. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say this based on my personal experience. I don't have any sort of inside uh, insight into the governor's process of evaluating specific bills. But just what it seems like to me is that the governor takes a couple of calculations usually when he's considering whether to assign or veto a law. One is, is this good for business? I mean, he's a, a, a pro-business governor. That's sort of what he was elected on. He's a Chamber of Commerce Republican. Um, also, is this something that uh, sort of goes at odds with something that I feel very staunchly about? Uh, gun bills is, is a good example for the governor. Other than that, he tends to uh, sort of defer to the legislature, it seems like, and, and what they deem is is the best, uh, you know, sort of idea. That's not always the case. Sometimes we're surprised by a bill that the governor vetoes. Um, but uh, environmental issues are an interesting one because um, it's not always clear whether or not he views some of these things as good for business or bad for business because you could say, well, sure, in the short term, if a business is able to do certain things that environmentalists say are bad for the environment, well, that's pro-business. But also in the long term, especially if it's something that affects the Great Lakes, something that he is very passionate about, uh, which you could argue this wetlands bill for sure is, um, you know, he uh, you know, he might take a, a look at that. And, and uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but uh, it, it, that one is a big question for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Emily Lawler, state capital reporter with M Live. Thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll speak with you soon. And Jake Neer, producer of Detroit Today. It's always great to have you in studio with oh, us. Always great to be here. Up next, uh, we're going to speak with GOP PR pro John Selleck and get his take on all of this and other issues. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. It's Opposite Monday, which is a time when we try to expand the conversation by inviting somebody in who sees things a little differently than I do and maybe sits across the political spectrum. In that role today is someone I have wanted to get into this chair for a long time, and now he is finally available. John Selleck uh, has been a PR pro in this state for a long time. He was uh, working for both Attorney General Mike Cox and Bill Schuette. He worked for Governor Angler, and he worked in the Michigan legislature. He is now the president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. John Selleck, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Thanks yes. for having me. So do you feel liberated now? <laughs> now that uh, after a long time in government, uh, you're into the private sector and you can sort of do and say whatever you want? 
That's what everybody wants, right? <laughs> That's what everyone wants, right? Freedom to to be able to speak your mind and not have somebody else that uh, you're speaking for. I really just wanted to know if you dressed as fashionably when you're on the radio than when you're out in public. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I barely dress each day for this show. So I could have worn my sweatpants. You today. could totally have come in here in sweatpants. That's completely all right. Um, so I want to talk uh, about a, a number of issues uh, with you, but but before we do that, I really am curious about your perspective on where we are in the sort of uh, political life, I guess, of of Michigan right now. I mean, you're somebody who's been a part of government for a pretty long time here, um, and I feel like we're in a different space than we have been in in much of the time that I've been around uh, writing and thinking about these things. I wonder if it looks the same to you. I think I kind of see it two ways. <clears throat> Certainly, we're at a point right now where polarization is taking place, and that word has almost become like too cliche. I wish I should have came up with a better one, <laughs> a new one, um, but without a doubt. Uh, and we saw it in this election results. We saw the um, the rural areas, the UP, the the, the, the places that the, the Republican Party chased for a long time, thinking, hey, those people are ours. We should have them. Well, they are Republican now. They voted lockstep, and they kind of have a stranglehold on the state Senate as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing the same thing in the urban areas, but into the suburban areas, going the other direction. But over the long haul, what we've also seen are a lot of up and downs. And there's a reason that Michigan gets so much attention nationally. There's a reason they say we're purple. Uh, <laughs> we have an ability to go back and forth and back and forth. And certainly also what has affected Michigan is not just that we're purple, but that national elections here have become nationalized like they have elsewhere. Um, the president, I think, has accelerated that process greatly. Um, whether it will remain that way, it's hard. None of us can really predict. So yeah. will we stay on this polarization path or will we be on the up and down wave where we'll go back and forth? Uh, you worked on the campaign that Bill Schuette mounted to become the next governor. Uh, were you surprised by the results? A few weeks before the election, I noted that um, – that Bill Schuette, no matter what you think of him politically, was probably the most uh, experienced candidate uh, in terms of government service that we've had for governor in in my memory, really. I mean, if you think of the different levels of government he served at and how long he had been in government – I, I, I don't know of anyone else who's who's done as many of those things as he has that should have given him more of an advantage, I think, probably in the election than it seemed to. Uh, I wonder what that looked like from inside the campaign and running up to Election Day when, when he ultimately lost. Right. I think that would obviously had served him extremely well in governing, without a doubt. And I don't think it necessarily impacted him in a negative way during the campaign because Bill Schuette has been around politics a long time. You know him. I know him. But he hasn't been a, a statewide office holder that entire time. That's true. Much like Gretchen Whitmer wasn't really known in southeast Michigan when she got going on the race. Same thing went for Bill Schuette. So not everybody knew that about him. But without a doubt, you know what? We know it. Outsiders are the people who are winning right now. I mean, Barack Obama was an outsider mm-hmm. um, against the ultimate you know, insider, John McCain. The same thing went here with uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton up against the president, and we saw what happened there. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see in the next election if the the all the the Dems who run, if it's Beto or if it's um, Kamala or Corey, they're constructing themselves as outsiders as well. And so I think that outsider thing is working. It's why the president won Michigan. People are frustrated. 
um, they're still frustrated. Yeah. I've listened to your calls. They're still frustrated in pretty much any which way you cut it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of frustration, let's talk about lame duck. I think lots <laughs> of people are pretty frustrated with what they're doing during lame duck. Uh, I think the legislators who are acting during this lame duck session are also probably best described as frustrated. They're frustrated that uh, they didn't win the governorship or the attorney general's office or the secretary of state. They're trying to do things to, to mitigate uh, the fact that those will be in the hands of, of Democrats. I, I want to ask you first about this, this question, though, of the minimum wage and earned paid sick time uh, legislation. This, uh, for me, this is like cardinal... Uh, bait and switch. It is the kind of thing that that I think drives people up a wall when they think about politicians, that they do something before the election to try to appease voters. And then as soon as the election's over, they go back and do something different that they would never have done if they had to face voters again. Uh, what do you think about what they're up to? Well, I think, <clears> hey, <throat> I knew it was going to be opposite day when I listened to the beginning of the show. <laughs> I listened to the show last week, too, and you had the great Shane Roth and Jake on talking about the legislature. And I would just offer, maybe I see it a little bit differently from a um, procedural standpoint. I spent six years in the state house. I worked mm -hmm. for two speakers. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I always remember that Governor Engler told us when I worked for him back in the day was know the rules. Um, and the legislature is using the rules. They do know the rules. Um, and it is, I, we forget, we were talking about, you're talking about them on the air. You're frustrated with them. They're not an illegitimate policymaking authority. They're actually the policymaking authority for the state of Michigan. They were elected by the voters to do that. And they're elected to do that not through election day. They're elected to do it through December 31st. The governor is also uh, the governor through December 31st. And I think one thing we know about Rick Snyder, the guy works. So I think he'll be sitting there at his desk on New Year's Eve looking at bills, <laughs> signing them, vetoing, uh, adding things, subtracting things. I think that it would be foolish to believe that a, a strong, aggressive leader like Governor-elect Whitmer is going to leave something on the table and not govern through December 31st as well. It's always happened throughout time. This is not the first lame duck. Lame duck happens all the time. And actually, I thought I was already for one of my jokes that you guys already addressed at the beginning. <laughs> Massive branding fail when it came to letting this part of the legislative session be called lame duck. You need to go back to 1963 and talk to these people and, and get a better name on it. Um, and, and I think that lame duck is not always used, like Emily mentioned earlier on the show, lame duck is not always an opportunity for mischief. It's an opportunity for Sometimes it is used for good. Happen. And I, I guess I guess that's my issue. I don't have any issue with knowing the rules and understanding that you serve until you are, you know, constitutionally asked to leave. But there's a difference between that and exploiting the rules, right? There's a difference between knowing how things work and manipulating them in a way that I, I think the fair word is to say deceives voters, right? I mean, voters were prepared to try to decide these issues for themselves, the minimum wage and the paid sick time question. The legislature intervened and took that decision away from them, which is part of the rules. But then they come back and do something after the election that's really different than what voters would ever have contemplated in the first place. I mean, how is that not deception? I, I would say just to back up for a second, just to not to split hairs as a procedural issue, sure. but um, the voters didn't vote on minimum wage this time around. The, there was a number of people who signed a petition to try they to were put prepared something to, on the ballot. To vote on it, yeah. Sure. And the people that they did vote for in the legislature are making changes and making rule changes. And they could have made, say, Governor Schuette was in place next year along with the Republican legislature. If the legislature went back and revisited it and changed it, it would be completely within their authority 
to do so. And I think I've seen the arguments that make sense that they wanted to, they felt that the business community, the people who are creating jobs needed to have more input into the policy arrangement that was put on that ballot proposal. And what I would say is in the bigger picture, what this, the danger this speaks to is <clears throat> Michigan will be in a bad place if we turn into California, where every major policy initiative is attempted to be solved through a ballot initiative, or maybe even more dangerous if they get if people get frustrated that the legislature doesn't do what they say when they get something on the ballot through an initiative and they start amending the constitution, adding things into the constitution permanently, we're, we're going to be in a we're going to be in a bad spot. So that is the bigger picture concern I would have about uh, changing or altering things that come from the from the ground up. Hmm. Uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. My guest is John Selleck. Uh, he has been a longtime PR pro in Lansing, is now the president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Lee in Detroit. Lee, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm calling in response to your guest's uh, comment about the legislature. Uh, yes, they may be technically uh, within the rules, but they are deliberately working in contradiction to the will of the people, the people that they were elected to represent, um, and what they said on November 6th. Thank you. Uh, Lee, thanks very much for that uh, that call and that comment. Uh, you worked in the legislature. How much do legislators worry about this kind of activity and it coming back on them at some point? Uh, well, look, after hearing your show last Monday, uh -huh. after listening to you out in my car on the way in here today, <laughs> after reading our good friend Brian Dickerson's column yesterday about uh -huh. the legislature, it'd be really easy for me to come in today and, and join the parade and, uh, and rain all over the legislature. I worked there for six years. Um, people don't run for the legislature to uh, negate the will of the people. They run because they want to make a difference. They want to make a change. I, I talked to and I made it a point to be friends with um, not only Republicans. I work for the Republicans, but for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, even when you start off on the wrong foot, I would continue to work and they would to get to know each other and understand each other's standpoint. So uh, the vast, vast majority, if not all, the legislature is there to do the right thing. And even when they're making these changes now, they are thinking about the economy has recovered. It was an absolute disaster in 2010. What's going to happen next? And yes, has the economy improved to the point that we should try to make some other changes, invest in roads, invest in pay increases? Maybe so. Um, but how do we protect the growth? How do we keep that growth rolling forward? And I think that for the folks that are working on this right now, that is what their mindset is. How do we protect the jobs we have? I think the bigger picture issue is shouldn't always just be on minimum wage, but the, the complete lack of job training that Governor Snyder is attempting to fix that um, Bill Schuette talked about in the campaign, that Governor-elect Whitmer talked about big time, and I fully expect her to move forward on that. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. We have jobs that pay massively more than minimum wage with benefits, with things that will cause people to have more freedom and control of their lives, and we need to get focused on that as well. Mm. Uh, what about the changes to the marijuana law that are underfoot uh, in, in Lansing? Here's an area where the voters did speak very specifically about what they wanted. Now, Arlen Meekoff, who's the Senate Majority Leader, says he wants to do it a little differently. Is that okay? Well, he is the Senate Majority Leader. He has that authority. He's he's a powerful guy. So it, it is okay. Um, I think that what we also have is a great philosophical divide on governance and on other the impacts of things on Michigan, the impact of marijuana on Michigan. 
um, versus and the Republicans versus the Democrats. Mm-hmm. But even within each party, there's a divide there. Um, we've been in, I've been in Detroit with Attorney General Schuette. We've been over at DMC, and we've heard physicians talking about the dangers of expanded medical. Uh, of expanded marijuana um, availability. Nonetheless, it, it's legal. It's going forward. I don't really see a change in that. What we have to remember too is, every time there's a major change, there will be some resistance or some, you know, some worry, and they'll attempt to make some adjustments. But in the long run, the will of the people will will probably win out. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, the way I would look at it. And I, I would say too, you talked about lame duck being, you know, Jake mentioned th- things are happening in the middle of the night and all that stuff. And sometimes it does. But I'd argue. And this lame duck, we're sitting here spending an hour talking about it right now. I was going to say, they're out in the open with this stuff. I mean, they're not, these are not midnight proposals. They're just, uh, they're just out there doing it. But even look at line five. It got a committee hearing. It was a contentious committee hearing. And that same Senate majority leader said, okay, well, let's put the brakes on for a minute. Let's talk to the people who have concerns about how we're going to set up this tunnel authority. And let's make it happen. And it did go on pause, and they are working behind the scenes. So even though it's going faster, I would argue that's somewhat balanced out by the sheer amount of attention that's paid. If you go, if you're a normal person, unlike me, you are not on Twitter all day, every day. <laughs> um, but if you're on the Twitterverse looking at this thing, the media, the lobbyists, there's memes, there's like a whole subculture. There's of, a lot of chatter about this. Here, no comes, here comes lame duck. So it does. It gets a, a big amount of attention. I'd also say through all the years that I was, I've been involved in legislature and watching from the sidelines even, it's like your kid's Christmas list. They give you everything they want, and do they get everything on the list? They certainly don't. And you don't always see all these things come to fruition. And then there's the ultimate check and balance, which obviously, as you guys talked about earlier, is Governor Snyder. Will he sign it? Will he veto it? I, I mean, I'm hopeful that he will play an appropriate role there. But but again, I mean, these bills only come up when lawmakers are least accountable to voters. And that, I think, you just can't get around the fact that they would not have the guts to do any of these things if there were an election uh, in a few months or if many more of them were to face election again in in 2020. I just, you know, there's something about that that I think rubs a lot of voters the wrong way. Certainly not enough that they've ever done anything about it, but it is contravening the will of the people, right? I think the the here I'm going to be the the day, the opposite day a guy again. <laughs> That's your job here. I don't think that these folks all just disappear into the atmosphere and are unaccountable for the rest of their lives. Most people, once they're in public service, they stay in public service. They run for another office. They go home and run for a local office. There, there's going to always be a measure of accountability for them wherever they go. I would also argue, even though our speaker uh, Tom Leonard and our Senate Majority Leader Mikoff are on the way out the door, they all did a great job. They did a great service to Michigan. The two new leaders that are coming in have already been picked, and they're very hands-on. Uh, Senate Majority uh, Leader-elect uh, Shirky and Speaker-elect Chatfield, they're there, and they're going to be accountable as well, and they know it. They're smart guys. They know they're going to be accountable for what they're working on. What, what I get concerned about, and I've tried to touch on this, is what does all this say about their feeling about what's going to happen over the next year and mm-hmm. the next four years mm-hmm. and that term with a new executive, the relationship between the legislature and the Democrat executive, the governor, secretary of state, and attorney general. Looking at some of the things they're doing right now, they're not feeling too good about what that relationship's going to be like. And I think that's a sign that communication, it's a two-way street, yeah. should get started now. Yeah. Okay, John Selleck, PR Pro and President and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 101.9 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.